Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I want to start off with a little poem, if I may, in honor of Half Done Day. Today is Half Done Day. I don't know if you know about this. Um, sort of my great pumpkin thing I'm trying to start. Every year is halfway over on June 30th and or July 1st. So 2022, half done. Please, please join me in building this movement and make Half Done Day our culture's next totally unnecessary heavy drinking holiday for no reason. I can see cards. I mean, they're already trying to ruin Juneteenth. Let's do the same thing to Half Done Day, shall we? We're going to be talking tonight about today's one day in the Supreme Court. One day that summed up everything in the entire term at the Supreme Court. The good, the bad, and the batshit. It's quite an experience. Also, hello to everybody listening on demand on the SiriusXM app and on the John Fugelsang podcast. I want to, since the... We're coming up on the 4th of July weekend. I want to just open with a little poem, a little Dr. Seuss book, uh, because I like to write Dr. Seussian kinds of things. And, you know, everyone says, well, what are we going to tell the children? What are we going to tell the children about abortion? How do you, are you talking to your kid about abortion? And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's a fair question. I mean, you know, I, I guess I should talk to my child about abortion. Uh, so I, I figured, well, the way to do it is a poem like a Dr. Seuss-style poem that I'm hoping to publish, to find a tasteful way to explain to our children how complex this issue is and how nuanced both sides are. So if you'll allow me to open it a very different way, this is my way of explaining to kids the, the, the tough emotional and moral choices on both sides of the debate. This poem's called Pro-Lifers Will Fucking Kill Us All. When they say they're pro-life, it's important, you see, they're not referring to you. Or to me. Make abortion a crime. That's the issue they dote on. Not in the Bible, but it's all that they vote on. They're pro-torture, pro-drone bombs, pro-preemptive wars. They play dumb about COVID as the body count soars. And the planet really is getting warmer, y'all. These pro-life people, they will kill us all. They don't want mandates. They don't want vaccines. They want all to have access to AR-15s. Herd immunity. Last season, they preached it. This year, they're the reason... We're not going to reach it. They live in the suburbs. They live in the woods. They don't all wear masks, but some do wear hoods. Their leader said we should inject Lysol. These pro-life people really will kill us all. And they love to see a condemned man frying. They don't mind pollution. They're science denying. They believe men who lied to us in a pandemic. They don't believe racism's ever systemic. They don't care about our air or a safe carbon cap. They won't offer a prayer for the poor kids on SNAP. If men could get pregnant, they'd give abortions at the mall. But they can't. So pro-lifers will kill us all. In a desperate time of conflict and strife, 
Some empty suit candidate says he's pro-life, but he's not here to help these gullible folk. And the pro-lifers cheer. They're not in on the joke. He'll rip them all off. That don't matter to Cletus. We don't care about no people. We're just here for the fetus. Now the party of Lincoln's a satanic cabal, and pro-lifers will, bloody well, kill us all. Abortion's their thing. They've been raised to resent them, but they never got taught about how to prevent them. They're not fans of sex ed being taught as a whole, or easier access to safe birth control. No, overturned row is the one holy grail. After that, they'll just have to put women in jail. They think they're ending abortion. I think they will find they have only prevented the safe legal kind. The writing's already up there on the wall. And these godless pro-life folks, they will kill us all. Pro-life Christians, the most exceptional on earth. They'll protect you from conception till the moment of your birth. But they only mention Jesus in the manger or arisen, not the guy who fought for poor folks and the sick and those in prison who railed against the rich for taking more than their fair portion, who opposed all executions, never once talked about abortion. If he came back, he'd say, they know not what they do. Then they'd probably just fucking kill Jesus too. Thank you. I am available for children's parties. And before I talk about the Supreme Court today, and I want to get to your calls, it's an anniversary. 36 years ago today, Bowers v. Hardwick was decided that's where the Supreme Court upheld five to four the Georgia state law banning sodomy. For those of you who don't know, sodomy refers to a despicable, horrible, evil thing done between gay men or a thing done between straight men and really awesome, wonderful, understanding women. That ruling was overturned by the court 17 years later in Lawrence versus Texas. But today's the actual anniversary of the Reagan court essentially criminalizing Gay sex between consenting adults, Bowers v. Hardwick, which upheld the constitutionality of the Georgia sodomy law, criminalizing oral and anal sex in private between consenting adults, but only when applied to gay people. The majority opinion was written by Byron White, who said the Constitution did not confer a fundamental right to engage in homosexual sodomy. Chief Justice Warren Burger talked about the ancient roots of prohibition against gay sex, quoting Blackstone's description of gay sex as an infamous crime against nature, worse than rape and a crime not fit to be named. Can you imagine if these guys were here today, the disgusting shit that would be on their hard drives? Harry Blackman, who was the hero of Roe v. Wade, he framed the issue in his dissent as revolving around the right to privacy, which is what brings us to today's big issue. Blackman's dissent accused the court of, in his words, an almost obsessive focus on homosexual activity and an overall refusal to consider the broad principles that have informed our treatment of privacy in specific cases. And they brought up all these religious taboos against homosexuality, none of which, by the way, come from Jesus. And Blackman wrote that certain but by no means all religious groups condemn the behavior at issue gives the state no license to impose their judgments on the entire citizenry. The legitimacy of secular legislation depends instead on whether the state can advance some justification for its law beyond conformity to religious doctrine. I wish we had a Harry Blackman on the court today. And by the way, William Rehnquist, Sandra Day O'Connor, they all voted for this as well. You know who, you know who dissented? Harry Blackman, William Brennan, Thurgood Marshall, and John Paul Stevens, all considered heroes today. All of them view the law as unconstitutional. Right to privacy. Does that remind you of any recent rulings? Let's talk about today's, because the two scariest words in the English language are actually numbers. Six to three. And the latest six to three decision was West Virginia versus the EPA. And... You can argue that what they did today might be even worse than what they did with Roe. It's hard to say. Roe's going to make the lives of women and the men who love them a lot more difficult. But what they did today with West Virginia v. EPA, that's going to make the lives of everyone on the planet potentially a lot more difficult. And it was the culmination of decades, decades of right-wing politicians trying to make sure the federal government can't use clean air and water to threaten the status quo of business. This ruling today limits how the nation's main anti-air pollution law, the clean air, clean air law, can be used to reduce carbon dioxide emissions from power plants. 
Um, Washington Post had an interesting headline. They said justices limit EPA power to combat climate change, a blow to Biden's agenda. It's not often I say this, Washington Post, but that's a really stupid headline. It's not a blow to Biden's agenda. It's a blow to life on this planet. Rolling Stone had a headline saying Supreme Court rules six to three that the planet should burn. It's all about whether the EPA can regulate emissions. And it does still leave room for the EPA to regulate emissions. But it was a big victory for the coal industry today. It was their last stand against any kind of pollution regulation. Elena Kagan dissented hard and she wrote, let's say the obvious. The stakes here are high. Yet the court today prevents congressionally authorized agency action to curb power plants, carbon dioxide emissions. The court appoints itself instead of Congress or the expert agency, the decision maker on climate policy. I cannot think of many things more frightening. Respectfully, I dissent. Democrats and people of good conscience who care about air and water are terrified now. They've been trying to pass legislation to fight climate change, and it's been blocked over and over and over by Republicans and more recently by a couple of Democratic senators I could name. And the party has not been able to garner 50 votes in the Senate. They would need to move climate legislation because of Joe Manchin, who has gotten very wealthy off of coal. The White House said President Biden will not relent in using the authority authorities he has under law to protect public health and tackle the climate change crisis. Our lawyers will study the ruling carefully. We will find ways to move forward under federal law. They did, however, and here's the good. The Supreme Court did something that surprised us. Uh, They cleared the way for the Biden administration to stop sending migrants back to Mexico. For now, 5-4 decision. They ruled that federal immigration law does not mandate that the administration has to send asylum applicants back to Mexico, even though Donald Trump had this really shitty and dangerous remain in Mexico program. It leaves intact for now the government's authority to release or parole foreign citizens into the U.S. while they await their immigration or court hearings. It doesn't rule out the possibility there'll be other legal challenges to this, but, you know, it's actually pretty promising. They found the Department of Homeland Security had the authority to end enforcement of the migrant protection protocols, which is what Trump called remain in Mexico. That's the policy that allows border agents to take people who are legally seeking asylum in our country, which is not against the law, and just dump them in Mexico while they wait for their proceedings in the U.S. to be adjudicated. This already forced more than 71,000 asylum seekers back onto Mexican soil while Trump was president. And of course, those who got turned back often faced very dangerous conditions. A lot of them were at high risk of trafficking, exploitation, and murder. Um, Blanca Lomeli, director of the Mexican branch of HIAS, which provides humanitarian aid to refugees, said, people on MPP we serve suffer from anxiety, stress, and a sense of hopelessness and often helplessness. Immigration groups are very happy about this. And in his first days in office, you might remember, Joe Biden told Homeland Security to evaluate the policy They stopped enforcing it in February of last year. Six months later, a Texas judge said, nope, you got to reimplement it. So today, the Supreme Court came down on the side of, well, decency. Um, I'm sure all of you MAGA Christians are really happy that these uh, uh, Christian refugees at our border are going to be able to wait here in America while they wait for their asylum, right? MAGA Christians, this is what Jesus talked about. He didn't mention abortion, talked about welcoming the stranger. I'm sure you're, hello, anyone? MAGAs? Also, in very good news, Chief Justice John Roberts administered the oath to Katanji Brown Jackson as her husband, Patrick Johnson, held the Bible. We saw Justice Breyer announce yesterday that he'd be leaving office at noon today. So rather than waiting until the fall, they swore her in. It was a very moving moment. It was a very historically important moment. I don't know if you got to see it. Here's a little bit of audio from Katanji Brown Jackson being sworn in today, making history and giving a silver lining to a very bad week, joining the Supreme Court as an associate justice. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. I, Katanji Brown Jackson, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely without that, any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. That I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Thank you very much. And now I'll turn things over to Justice Breyer. Good. The judicial oath, will you raise your right hand, please? Thank you. I, Ketanji Brown Jackson. I, Ketanji Brown Jackson. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will administer justice that I will administer justice without respect to persons without respect to persons and do equal right and do equal right to the poor and to the rich to the poor and to the rich and that I will faithfully and impartially and that I will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform discharge and perform all the duties all the duties incumbent upon me incumbent upon me as an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States as an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States under the Constitution. Under the Constitution. And laws of the United States. And laws of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. I wanted to play the whole thing because it made me so happy. Uh, and thank you, Justice Breyer, for your years of service. As of now, guys, as of today, there is only one Supreme Court justice left on the bench who was appointed in the 20th century. And it's Clarence Thomas. And he was appointed by George H.W. Bush, who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Finally, I promised you the good, the bad. Here's the bad shit. The conservative justices declined to hear a religious liberty challenge to New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandate from 16 healthcare workers. New York State requires all healthcare workers show proof of vaccination because they're not fucking homicidally stupid. Clarence Thomas, however, is homicidally stupid. And he suggested the vaccines are derived from the cells of aborted children. Yes, Clarence Thomas said they object, these 16 healthcare workers, on religious grounds to all available COVID-19s because they were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children. None of the COVID-19 vaccines available here in the U.S. contain cells of aborted children. If you don't believe me, you're welcome to Google that. <laughs> My God help us all. Louie in Florida, thanks for waiting on hold. John, I love your poem. I've got a new seven-month baby granddaughter. I will read that to her knowing she won't know what the fuck I'm saying. And <laughs> but maybe it'll subliminally sink in. Okay, <laughs> please do. I'm, we're we're going to try and get it published, so thank you. And, and I'm not, the other thing is, everyone listening, and I hope you do this as a weekly segment, I'm in Florida we are a purple state. Charlie Crist, who I think yep. will end up being the nominee, we can yep. beat DeSantis. I think yeah. the gas prices yeah. are going down. I think the Saudi Arabian king is going to get read privately the riot act by Biden. You know what? I'm going to pull our military out of here, and you don't expect the Soviets or Europe to come in to help you when Iranian freaking uh, gunboats hit the uh, beach here. So what I want you to do is pump two million more barrels of oil a day. And that plus us releasing another million barrels to make our daily release from the oil reserve two million, we could drop the price of oil. And I know that my environmentalist friends, that I'm an environmentalist, this is not good in the long term. But it's I the know. short term to keep that shit crazy out of the White House, out of this. If we could keep that House and the Senate, which would be, I wanted to say a miracle, but now with the abortion uh, ruling, and I see young women finally getting motivated and activated and maybe voting in mass i think okay. there's a chance we could win the house keep the house and gain seats in the senate that's a wish but i think it's a plausible wish no, i think and it's plausible too to look people. it's it's plausible if people vote if there's high turnout democrats win that's always the rule it's always true when there's low turnout republicans win because well the status quo got to be the status quo by being so organized. I, I, John, I do want to correct you on one thing. 
One, one thing yeah. I, I I don't really know if Joe Biden is going to grab uh, the Saudi king by the lapels and say, does Joe Biden need to smack a bitch? Uh, we pulled all of our troops <laughs> out of there uh, back in 04. We pulled all of our troops out of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but we're, we're, um, in, we're in Qatar. We're in Bahrain. I'm a former Marine. You know that. Yeah. We are still we are still in Kuwait. So what, what yeah. it is, is yeah. like we will pull out of the Gulf states. We've got a tremendous seven fleet presence in Qatar. I know. Tremendous army yeah. presence in Kuwait. So all of that is a stopgap that possibly prevents Iran from coming in. All I want to do is scare the guy and going, what if? What if we bailed out on you guys? I like the idea of scaring the Saudi king. I, I don't think it's actually going to happen. Um, and, and you're right to point out that we do have troops all over the region. But, you know, let's never forget, uh, Don Rumsfeld and Bush gave bin Laden exactly what he wanted. I mean, one of the reasons bin Laden had the attack on 9-11 was because of our troops in the Holy Land. And after we invaded Iraq, they pulled all the troops out. So that was uh, that's what we call a capitulation and appeasement. So, well, hmm. we'll see. I'm just hoping that um, I do think the Saudis are going to up some production. Well, I heard a quarter million barrels a day, which yeah. is not enough, but I think it could happen. And I'm wishful thinking. And I got I got voodoo dolls, Ouija boards. I got everything. I'm going to do whatever I take. Well, and get a get a voodoo doll for Vladimir Putin, because he is still, you know, it, it, maybe oh, not as dramatically guy. as Biden implies. But Vladimir Putin is still very much to blame for the high gas prices. And keep in he mind is. also. The gas prices will probably be down by 2024 election time, but uh, right. our, no one in our government is willing to take on the oil companies because the price of a barrel of oil is not that much different than it was 10 years ago, and yet the price is so huge. Why we are well, still giving about, hundreds of millions in subsidies to big oil is beyond my logic and morality. The one thing about high prices of gas right now is electric car sales are through the roof. You cannot get an electric F-150. You can't get an electric Ford. Tesla is like still running their factories at mass capacity. So that the high price, which is the environmentalists like the high price of gas, I do, in a way, I'm doing Uber now, which sucks because Uber's not paying us fucking anything. I know. Like 50 I know. Bullshit. But I don't rely on Uber. I'm a retiree. I've got disability income. I've got a small pension. Uber's my fun money, but it really not quite fun money. That some of it right. I really need. But there are people that live on Uber. A lot of immigrants that don't speak English. Oh, I know it. I know it. And 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 they're the ones getting hurt by the gas prices. And you know, I do appreciate environmentalists who 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 think, okay, well, there'll be less fossil fuel production and consumption if we have higher gas prices. But the fact is, high gas prices are like fare hikes in public transportation. It's always a tax on poor people. Always. It is. It is. And so we need subsidies on electric cars for. I think so. People. Oh, I, I, I so. completely think so. I think any any businesses that are contributing to the destruction of our air and water and soil can kiss their subsidies goodbye. I also think that we should, you know, give, take all the tax breaks away from every business that ship their manufacturing overseas. For God's sakes, and people, one last it's not thing, that hard. John, yeah. Please, every week until the election, pick a state like Florida or Georgia and just do a ten-minute rant on registering people to vote bringing your friends to the polls. This election is base election, as all midterm elections are, and we need to rally our base. Use the abortion issue with young people. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, whatever you got to do, get your cousins out, and your MAGA cousins tell them the election was canceled this year. <laughs> that's not fair i'm going to tell all my maga cousins that even though i disagree with them i hope they show up to vote on the first wednesday in november i'm going to let them all know Perfect. thank you so much louis thanks, thanks, thank man. you happy fourth of july to you we're going to take a very quick break when we come back the great kenneth c davis on the fourth of july and all your calls we will get to all your calls this evening and i will thank you for your patience and we will be right back Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. So, so here's the big flowery introduction, and, and it's always daunting to introduce you because you know how it is for someone in my position. Like, where do I start? Like, how many credits do I slip into this thing? Like, how, I mean, there's so many films. There's I, a lot, yeah. I mean, there's Birdie, and there's Shortcuts. I always include Shortcuts, and, and, you know, and the band played on, and there's Vision Quest, and, of course, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. I think that's the name of the film. Um, there's that one. You know, there's Cutthroat Island. There's there's the work on stage. There's your work as a director. There's your work as a fearlessly political artist who cares about the community that produced him. And then, of course, the millions of new fans you have generated as uh, Dr. Brenner on Netflix's Stranger Things, uh, the only flesh and bone villain on the show who died. Or was he or did he? That's the sort of That's the question. Yeah. Um, what a pleasure to welcome back actor and director and uh, New York City cyclist and a hero of my union, uh, Matthew Modine. Thank you very much. So nice to be here, John. It's so good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm so happy um, that you are doing this tour because the character is not dead. Um, <laughs> I know that for years there was some kind of question of was he dead or was he not? Mm. But I, I guess we've learned from this show if you don't see the body... The character is not gone. Yeah, that's what the the Duffer brothers said. The question that people are asking now is, how did he survive the Demogorgon? Mm-hmm. How did he survive Vecna, you know, when he went mm-hmm. and killed all the kids? And in the scene with Millie Bobby Brown, when she uses, she tries to use her power against him, he simply says, you didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? And so... What you know? What kind of what is who is this guy? What what is uh, you know? What's happening? What's going on there? Well, and and we're not giving anything away. If no, people haven't seen no, the that's new season all, yet. It yeah. all happened in the well. If they haven't seen the uh, the first half of uh, vol, you know, volume, uh, volume one, four, or volume one of, of season four, four. Of four season yeah. four. Yeah. Well, here's 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 what got me because you're one of the reasons I don't give up on Twitter. And I was I was reading your your Twitter uh, like a week ago, two weeks ago, and I, you you printed this. One of the elders of the city said, "Speak to us of good and evil." And he answered, "Of the good in you, I can speak, but not of the evil. For what is evil but good, tortured by its own hunger and thirst? Mm. Verily, when good is hungry, it seeks food even in dark caves." And I was like, "That's Khalil Gibran, right? Yeah, yeah. and at who I love, and I." I just was like, oh, he's talking about this character. Yeah, I was talking about Brenner, yeah. Because I I, I think if they're going to bring him back, the most interesting thing they can do in service to the character and the story is to not let him be a simple figure of menace and fear, but Mm. actually to be a human, Mm. to actually be a bit more of a complex character than maybe we thought based on season one. Yeah. I, I agree with you, John. That's why I've, that's why I, I've, I put that out there. It's it, the funny thing about it is how things come full circle. Uh, I, I studied uh, acting just around the corner from here mm-hmm. at the city center with a, a, a wonderful woman named Stella Adler. Oh, I'm going to get to her. And one of the books that when we came into class that she told us to go out and buy and read was The Prophet, and and. Uh, I, I couldn't. I didn't know how to pronounce. I, I'm not. I'm still not sure how to say Cahill, Gibran, Gibran. I've always said Gibran. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. There's, there's different pronunciations. We did a reading at my wedding, and yeah. I should have checked that before I did. Yeah, we have to ask a Lebanese person. But that was the book she had us read, and we were all, you know, enthusiastically flipping through the book, wondering what does this have to do with acting? What, you know, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why read this book about? this prophet and these teachings, these spiritual teachings. And you realize that Stella knew that in order for you to be an actor, you had to understand what it was to be human. Um, that this this shared experience that we that we all have that we we exist within these bodies and the body is what separates us. But when we connect on a in a different level uh, outside of this 
materialism is spirituality. And in the world of the spirit that Cahill Gibran is, is speaking of in The Prophet, uh, we are all united. All of the energy of the universe is, is united in that spirituality. And, and it's what we have to be sort of taking steps towards and evolving to 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 end these uh, endless wars to end this uh, inhumanity to to each other um but it's 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 easier said than than done you know because materialism is so powerful it's so uh, i i mean remember when 9/11 happened and George W Bush was standing on the pile and told people to go shopping you know and and what you and i uh, cuz we've had these conversation this 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 conversation that I don't know how to say it. The resources of our planet are finite. They're not mm -hmm. infinite. And we are consuming at uh, an unsustainable pace. And we are producing more waste than the world knows how to digest. And we, so we have what the film that when we were kids, Koyana Skotsi, oh, yeah. uh, that life out of balance. And um, we, we we have to do something really urgently and and, and very quickly or... Um, life as we know it is uh, going to be unrecognizable. Well, that's the interconnectedness, isn't it? That, yeah. that brings together spirituality and politics and the environment and art. Yeah. I mean, there's a great track on the uh, Johnny Cash unearthed box set. And it's studio dialogue, the only piece of studio dialogue where Rick Rubin has given him a copy mm. of Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. Mm. <laughs> and he's asking this old Baptist... Johnny Cash in his 70s, what he thought of it. Yeah. And for Cash, it was transformative. And Rick Rubin just rolled on it. You can hear it. Uh, it's on the box set Unearth. And, and Rick Rubin just included this bit of them talking about the book, The Prophet. Wow. For me, it was important at the time because there was such incredible anti-Muslim sentiment from people who claimed to be Christians. Mm. And it, it was all linked together. And I, I will bring this back to Stranger Things, but I think you're saying that spirituality is the thing that does connect all living beings. Mm -hmm. Is that what you believe? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. It is. So bringing it back to the monster show, um, that's what I found so interesting about the character because I couldn't help but feel that you had not just lobbied to bring him back, but that you had lobbied for him to be more than just a villain. It, well, I... Because villains don't exist in real world. Yeah, I, I've, I, I didn't like that the reason that I was chosen to play the part was because I believe that I'm innately good and I, I want to make the world a better place. So it's very attractive to uh, filmmakers to take somebody who's really good and have them become somebody who's really bad. Yeah. Um, because it it's more horrible. It's like, why is that good person who seems like a good person doing such evil things? It's, it's interesting. It's, I mean, yeah. Sergio Leone wanted Henry Fonda to play a murderer in the yeah, Western. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I felt exploited. And, and so... I, I was always defending Dr. Brenner and saying, but he's not, you know, the, he, he loves his children. And, um, you know, when I embrace that boy in at the first eight minutes yes. of season one, um, that was a choice. That was that, that he loved that boy. And we didn't get to see that with uh, Brenner and Eleven because it was uh, what we got to explore this season was the origin of, of how did we get there. And um, and the 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 Duffer brothers always said to me, no, 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 Brenner is bad. Brenner is bad. Brenner is bad. He is responsible for a he, lot of death. He is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he, but he's not the cliche mad scientist. Now, you just as an actor yeah. would want to imbue him with all the humanity you could because yeah. that's the job. No one plays Richard the Third as a villain and gives an interesting performance of Richard the Third. You can't yeah. just be, hey, let's be evil. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it it actually gives me pause because don't you enjoy playing a sinister character and being able to not just have the fun of it, but to go through the workout of imbuing the humanity in a character yeah. which on the page is just a bad guy. Yeah, I, I don't enjoy it. Um, because 
I feel like when I come home after playing, I want to take a shower and kind of wash it off. Daniel Day-Lewis is is a he's not a close friend; he's a friend. Um, and I I know afterward he like shaves his head because yeah. he wants to cut that character off. That whatever it was, I mean, particularly with there will be blood. Yeah, um, that was a guy that you really probably wanted to. Uh, fast and cut cut things off. Yeah, the that, boxer too. Yeah, yeah, that was a really bad guy. Yeah, and um, so my father was a drive-in theater manager, and I grew up watching so many movies. and And what I wanted to be was an agent for change. You know, that I I didn't want to be the person who was responsible for the problem. I wanted to be the person who was solving the problem. Mm-hmm. And you know, so to be find myself being a person who's really causing the problem, playing that person, imbuing that that character, it's uh, it's not something I I don't I don't enjoy it. So I just try to fill him with as much love and confuse the audience as yeah. much as I can. That's why I've been looking forward to talking about this character yeah. with you and this new incarnation yeah. of him, because again, he is trying to exploit and weaponize yeah. this child's power. He is responsible for the deaths of a lot of kids. Yeah. But it seems that the the team understands that solidifying his relationship mm. with L is what is going to actually make us care for him for mm. the first time. Because we, y- you were a menace in season one, and then we just saw you in flashback, and then not seeing you in season three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just love the choice to bring him back and make him a whole new character. Yeah. The same guy we knew, but now we're going to actually know him. Yeah. I, I'm really anxious to see what's going to happen in this volume, too. The The next episode that people will see is called Papa, mm-hmm. and I, I have not seen it. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I I played it, and I read 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 it and uh, brought it to life, but I, I, don't, I don't know because the Duffers are very clever. Um, you know, we may have shot some things that, because there are a lot of people that work on the show, to confuse them so that should something be leaked, uh, they they may be really leaking, yeah, it may be leaking information. Oh, you may have done that. We, <laughs> no, we did. Oh, you did, yeah. But but I don't know how they'll cut those pieces together. That that. We, so yeah. you don't even know. That's great. I don't know. When when we did Dark Knight Rises. Uh, they they shot a scene where Batman was dead. Yeah, Bruce Wayne was 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 dead, and there was a funeral scene, and they were they were burying burying the body, and they put Christian Bale there standing with with Michael Caine, uh, just in the, like a few feet away, so that they could remove him, at, at, or maybe he was just outside the frame of the camera, but they they shot it because they knew there were paparazzi. That were photographing things, so it couldn't be Christian Bale that was buried because Christian Bale was standing there. Right. So they they do they they they, they, to. they have to. We live in a different world today. With you know somebody can take a photograph and and post it on social media, and the entire world knows within a few minutes. You make me think of your character in that film because he was also a character who was a good guy and yet an antagonist at the yeah. same time. Yeah. And I always thought, in many ways, he was the most nuanced character in the film. He not unlike Bruce Wayne, this good guy who's a bad guy, who's yeah. a good guy, yeah. who's a bad guy. Yeah, I, I feel like in Dark Knight Rises, my character is the only one that had what we call a character arc. You he know, sure does, a beginning, a middle, and an end with the redemption. Yeah, yeah, he shows up. You know, volume volume four of Stranger Things has now broken the record as the biggest premiere weekend ever for an English language TV show. And it makes me think that you went from this childhood of growing up around drive-in theaters, then you became a film and television and stage actor, and now you're in the biggest streaming show of all time. (laughs) What do you think of the evolution of how we tell stories using screens? Yeah, it's... It's so different. So I, I've been saying 162 territories. It's actually 190 territories that Netflix is in uh, out of 196. And so, you know, if you take all of my films sort of together, if, if a film was successful in 60 territories around the world in the 80s, um, that was a tremendous success. 
you know, 60 territories. It was a number one film in 60 territories. So to have a show that's in 190 territories and I don't know how many different languages, um, it, it's a it's a kind of success that that uh, I don't think a, a, other human beings have existed maybe in the history of entertainment that to be to be that yeah I mean Charlie Chaplin was probably one of the biggest stars in the history of this business and I don't think that his success at it, it anywhere touches what what things are capable of like Squid Games you know yeah. being the big billion and a half hours of viewing that people people have watched squid games yeah. some, some number like that so i'm i'm hoping that volume two uh puts us over over the because you said you mentioned english language yes. the most watched that we'll catch squid games and be just the most watched that would be cool i mean what has surprised you the most about the vastness of the popularity of this show especially because this season's not screwing around it's a horror show yeah. from the very first scene you're in at the top of the season what surprised you the most about just the enormity of the fan base for this? I don't, I don't understand. You know, John, I've tried to figure this out now. Um, I've done over 120 movies and television shows and uh, worked on Broadway and in Chicago and London on the stage. Um, <clears throat> every time I start a project, I start with the same enthusiasm and excitement and think that this could be really great and really fantastic and and you you the the crews have the same equipment they have cameras or film film cameras or digital cameras lights sound equipment enthusiastic crews and art departments and hair and makeup and costumes everybody works together to yes. to, to put this thing together and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people are able to photograph and it's magical and, and transformative. And other times it's just, it just doesn't, it's just flat. It, 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 I don't understand why or how that happens. You know, that's the magic of show. Yeah, I agree. I but you've always got to bring the same commitment and the same enthusiasm to every project. 100%. 100%. Are, are there films that you have worked on that you are just baffled didn't find the audience they deserved. Yeah, one of the that you mentioned, Cutthroat Island. Yeah, um, I had such a good time making that movie. Gina Davis was was wonderful to work with. Um, the uh, other other actors that worked it's a terrific on the film. role for you. We had such a good time making that movie, and when it was critically panned, you, <clears throat> I sort of felt like we had, you know, it was being viewed upon as though we had tried to remake Gone with the Wind or something, you know? It was just a pirate movie that was designed to be fun. I think it was a little bit too early on the curve of, uh, you know, people weren't prepared to have uh, Gina Davis as a, as a woman leading an action movie. I, I don't think that <clears throat> if you release, <clears throat> excuse me, if you release the film today, it might might be, you know, completely differently received you know by the by yeah. the audience um i don't i don't know what it was but uh it was just a pirate movie it was just really fun i i think it's better <laughs> than than the johnny depp pirates of the caribbean um it's just all of the there's no visual effects in the movie when we blew yeah, a, when we blew a ship up we blew a ship no, up. no it's and, amazing i, I think yeah. at the time uh, there was a certain um industry or media bias against the director yeah. And I think that that colored a lot of the reviews of the product itself, yeah. of the yeah. actual work, because it certainly found an audience in Gable. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did, yeah. Are there any... It's 35 years this week since a low-budget indie film <laughs> called Full Metal Jacket opened yeah. in theaters. Speaking of films that you probably knew were special while you were making them, are there any <clears throat> stories you haven't told about full metal jacket oh uh, yeah because you wrote a wonderful book about the experience yeah. you've, your your photographs that you've that you've shown have been brilliant i i've never seen you do an interview where someone doesn't Mention just it. kubrick out on you yeah um 
I don't think it's burdensome for you to have to talk about it all the time, but are there any stories you haven't told? Do you ever get tired of telling the same? I'm I mean, sure there's a story I, I haven't told. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I love the Val Kilmer story. I love the anecdotes. Yeah. And the story of your, your wife going into labor is just uh, an astonishing story about yeah. Kubrick and about logic itself. Just he wouldn't let me go to the hospital. He's, you know, So I, I had to threaten him with cutting my hand open and having to go to the hospital to have my hand stitched but what, closed. But he, he, but he had logic about why you shouldn't go there. Wasn't he saying, yeah, like, you're, he, you'll be in the way? Well, he said that, <laughs> yeah, I'll be in the way. You know, if she's having an emergency cesarean, I, I would pass out if I saw once they cut her open and the blood was spilling on the floor. Uh, that he, then he went into further logic about how a child doesn't even need a father for the first year of its life, that it just wants its diaper changed and, and a boob, you know, to drink milk. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know some story that I've never told about Kubrick. That, but you, I think you pulling out the knife was actually being logical right back in his face, yeah, I always thought. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't believe that. I mean, the shock on his face that I, I was actually considering cutting my hand open. Do you think he respected it? I think he did. Yeah, I think he. Emotion was was something that he had a kind of I believe struggled with the human human emotion, and um, it's why he couldn't figure actors out uh, that, that that they were you know because it's such such a technical process you know memorizing lines hitting marks uh you know the costumes the makeup all of that is very controllable but then there was this human emotion that was so tricky and and how do you control it and how do you, i mean we see in the great documentary that stanley kubrick's daughter vivian mm-hmm. kubrick made in the making of the shining and how he was able to really crushed the spirit and the soul of Shelley Duvall and, you know, how he treated her. But I I believe this is something I don't think I've ever talked about. You know, Stanley wanted to make a movie about Napoleon for yeah. for, for decades. And he, he had card cataloged every moment that he was able to about Napoleon's life. That, you know, he had a card catalogs like in the old library. He wanted Brando for it, didn't he? A, a, a whole bunch of people. Nicholson, That's he talked right. to yeah. Nicholson, several, several actors. But he trying to understand the, the journey of this man's life. And by the way, had... Had Napoleon, the project, existed in this time of Netflix or streaming services, Stanley would have been able to make it because what he was never going to be able to do was make a self-contained story about Napoleon the way he wanted to in a feature film, that it was something that needed to be serialized over a season or two seasons. Like a Barry Lyndon, just let it be as long as it needs to be. Yeah. And and uh, it's unfortunate that Stanley passed away before the advent of Netflix, because I'm sure we'd all be enjoying uh, Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon right now. Um, <laughs> but it, it's true that he was quite collaborative on set for all of the, I mean, for all of the famed, you know, difficulties with human emotions, which yeah. comes in handy in a thing like 2001. But yeah. he was very collaborative with the actors in very, terms of very setting up the shots. Very collaborative. He he said he, he could never knew where to put the camera until the actors did the scene. So he didn't have a preconceived storyboarded idea of how, how to make the movie. Uh, he needed to see the actors really do the scene. And, and that would reveal the place to put the camera. It Does the camera have movement? What lens to put on the camera? He hadn't pre-lensed the movie. He hadn't pre... Of course, I'm sure he pre-visioned it. He had it in his imagination about how he would shoot it, how how it would come together. But, but he really needed the actors to go through that. And again, it brings us back to that emotional life. And what I was going to say about Napoleon is that I think that the true... 100% fascination that he had with Napoleon was that this great general, this unbelievable strategist, maybe the most famous combatant in the history of the world, could be brought down by emotion, you know, in his love for Josephine. I think that that's what, what it was. That, that, and, and I think that that's what's in Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. Is that, I do too. That this, this, you know, I... I this it's interesting this this is something that the your audience won't know is nicole kidman is dressed like stanley kubrick's wife in the film he's she she wears the same clothing she wears the same glasses she uh 
uh, Christian, his wife's paintings are on the wall. I knew that. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I'm sure that Stanley had smoked some <laughs> joints in his life and he came home. And I don't know if you know any German people. German tend to be much more open about sex and conversations yes. about sex. It's a, you know, we're Puritans over here on this side of the ocean. And over there, it's just something people actually have sex and have children, mm -hmm. that that's what they do. And sometimes they just have sex for enjoyment, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Can you believe yes. those crazy Germans? And so Stanley's married to this German girl and maybe they smoked some pot and they were at a at a party and came home and, and they started having this conversation that led to, well, have you ever had a fantasy about having sex with another person while you're having sex with me? And Christiana said, yes, of course. And he was like, what? Really? And he, I think that Stanley, I'm, this is all me, uh, was emasculated by a, a, a frank, honest conversation that he was having with his wife and felt that he needed to go out and do what Tom Cruise does in yeah. that film, was to, uh, you know, just to experience something because Stanley grew up just up the road from here in the Bronx, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he imbued that onto the, I mean, the book, the uh, dream story that he adapted for the film. But I mean, I think that's a horror movie, you know, I mean, at least for, for Cruz's character. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. hundred percent. You mentioned Stella Adler and, um, I never got the pleasure. I, and why you put me in with circle in the square and I never got to go to Adler, but I've heard you talk about her before and I'm wondering how does her teaching still speak to you? Which parts of it do you still relate to and other parts of it that like much of method, like much of Stanislavski, just, nope, I don't need that. I need this. I always yeah. viewed it as like religion or diets. You take the parts you need <laughs> and you can safely ignore the rest. Yeah. A and did she influence you in terms of your um, commitment to politics as an artist? She definitely influenced my politics, you know, and, and how did, did she talked about it all the time because she had grown up in political theater, uh, you know, whether it was Ibsen or Chekhov or Arthur Miller, um, that, that theater was a place of ideas where uh, we, we get the opportunity to, through language and, and performance, see somebody looking at life and, you know, like if you imagine a horse with blinders on his eyes so that yes. you can only see forward, yes. that what the theater had the ability to do was to open those blinders to help us to see the other, to see a different point of view, to experience something. The way that uh, Harper Lee in her in her book, To Kill a Mockingbird, says that we never truly understand another person till we get inside their skin and move around in it. And by definition, that's what we're doing as performers, is climbing in the in the skin of these characters and, and trying to see the other, try to understand uh, that the, these desires and dreams that we have are universal. Um, that I, I don't, unless you're really some kind of sick person, you don't want to harm another person or or kill another person. Certainly, um, that that we want to enjoy life, and and sometimes there are people, politicians and oligarchs, and uh, that, that don't care about other human beings and just want to push people down and and to be more powerful and mm -hmm. you know and selfish that's why i made that that film jesus was a commie which i loved you know it thank you um because i just the most powerful thing I, I i feel that's in that film and it's most powerful parable that i've ever read and, and i i've searched through religious texts before that that the the concept the idea of forgiveness I don't find it before that parable when he says that those among you that are without sin cast the first stone. That that you know you we, we're all human. We all make mistakes, and the 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 journey is to that understand that every day we have every moment we have the opportunity to to decide who we are and what we want to be. That we can be an asshole in this moment, or we can be a good person. We can be forgiving, or we can punish. We can steal or we can pay, you know, that, 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 we have that, that we have that ability to make those decisions every second of our life. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I know that you're a person who, who wants to be a good person and, and every moment of your life you try to 
you know, even through your comedy, through through the 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 witty things that you write, that you say, that you're helping us open those those blinders on the side and help I mean, us to see the world in a in a different way through humor. Billy Wilder said if you're going to tell people the truth, make it funny or they'll kill you. And uh, I tried being preachy. I wasn't any yeah, good at it. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to have you back anytime just to talk about politics and the environment and, and bike riding and spirituality. But um, I'm so grateful that you came in. I love talking about craft with you and talking about your work. If you haven't seen it yet, what's wrong with you? The fourth season of Stranger Things is streaming now on Netflix. I know you're going to be in um, Christopher Nolan's film of Oppenheimer coming yeah, up, and yeah. I can't wait to see what else you do next. Wow, Mr. that's Modine. crazy. Oppenheimer is crazy. You can know, you when, tell us anything? I can tell you when I contacted him uh, to ask if I could be a part of the, the show, he said, well, we're, we're just casting a lot of unknown actors. The only person that anybody knows is Killiam, Killiam Murphy from Peaky Blinders. And I said, that's okay, Chris. I just, I just really love to be a part of this project and work with you again. And then I found out Matt Damon's in it, <laughs> Emily Blunt, uh, Chris, uh, uh, Gary Oldman, Kenneth Branagh. Wow. Uh, did I say Matt Damon? You did. Uh, uh, so maybe I, it'll get some press. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. I mean, it was funny that the bit that he said it was a bunch of unknowns. Great. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You know, and the thing that's amazing about it, going back to communism, is that... Do we got to stop? Uh, they're wrapping us up. They're yeah. wrap, I think they're going to yeah. steal you from us, but go ahead, please it's, finish your it, thought. Because Oppenheimer was a communist, but it was a communist in the sense of Karl Marx and nothing to do with Stalin or Lenin or Mao. It, it was about the idea of community. That exactly. the, root, the root of the word is with, and that we are with one another. Yeah, he was not a totalitarian. Yeah. He actually yeah. believed the Jesus-y yeah. parts of it. But then they were willing to turn their, you know, the government to turn is and and say okay let's not look at that let's just look at you have the ability to help us to make this bomb and then as soon as he made the bomb and they deployed it of course then he was a communist again in their eyes and they they chucked him out and just just destroyed his life i can't wait to see it matthew modine thank you so much for joining us yeah. again please thank come you. back and let's go even deeper on this okay stuff. thanks john thanks a lot delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Let me go to Rich in Denver. Hi, Rich. Good evening, uh, Mr. John Fugelsang. This is Rich. Uh, I met you for the first time at the in in October at the Liberal uh, Comedy Tour in uh, in Madison. Oh, what a pleasure! Yes, great, thank you. Got, got a yes, what a pleasure! I got a photograph with you. I know you. Your mom and my mom were ex-nuns, and so we had a That's, nice little chat about that. I remember our conversation. And, uh, thank you. Absolutely, Th and thank you, John. John, I, uh, I, I, I just got on with Thea, and you were talking about Jamie Lee Curtis and the movie. What movie are you speaking of? Because I am everything, a huge movie everything, for. everywhere, all at once, starring Michelle Yeoh, which is my favorite film of the year, and it's a. It's a, a drama, comedy, sci-fi, uh, farce, satire about parallel universes. I, I can't even begin to explain it. It's just uh, it, it's a film that has to be seen. And it's, it's just out now then? or It's, it's on demand uh, for purchase, not for rental. I bought it, and I will watch it again. Uh, it's still okay. playing in theaters. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I, uh, I will definitely put that on my movie list. Thank you very much. Trust um, me on it. You know, to go back to... to uh, I think it was Mark in Maryland or 
uh, and talking about Reagan, bedtime for Bonzo. You know, another thing he did, you know, (laughs) another thing he did is he instituted the Reagan tax cuts that were supposed to sunset under Bush. That became the Bush tax cuts that uh, never sunsetted. And, you know, 25,000 of our brothers and sisters were were dead of AIDS before that POS ever, you know, opened his mouth. And as you yep. said, he raised taxes 13 times. He 11, got I think. Social Security taxes 11 he, times. He, okay. he, uh, he, he taxed Social Security benefits, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, Reagan. Uh, I mean, we and, could talk all day about, about how, how uh, the awfulness of Reagan and how we're still paying for it. And, 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 and you know, there, there aren't – I don't know why these people – and. The point you made to him is excellent. I don't know why you would still vote for this part. This isn't a party anymore. It's a cult. You know, there there are no true conservatives. You know, Tom Hartman has put the bet up several times, and nobody's ever been. Name me one thing that when the cons have had control of the judicial, the executive, and the legislative branches in this country in the last 55 years, what That's have it. they done for the American people? What have they well, done? I, I always say, when have, I, I have two questions. I say, when have they put mil- non-millionaires above millionaires? And I say, name one teaching of Jesus they fought for legislatively. Just one. And no one can do it. Because, as you said, they are a cult. And that's why people continue to vote for them. Because jingoism is a drug. And it is a cult that comes with an IV drip that tells you you're better than other people. And it's why reason doesn't work. Morality doesn't work. And every time they get fucked over by their rulers... They find a way to get them back. They got fucked over by Bush yeah. Cheney, and the, and Donald Trump came along and gave them permission to admit they got fucked over by Bush Cheney, and then they got fucked over by Trump. And then and you know they always you know and then chuckle nuts Bush Jr. came along, and after we got rid of him, and they'll be saying the same thing about Trump. They all said, "Well, I never voted for him," you know. I know but, they'll all deny know, it. It's, it's just, they'll all deny it. Exa- you know exactly. I mean, they're, they're all pretending they're, now. They're all pretending now right. that they were against the Iraq War. All of them pretending they were right. against the Iraq War. 75% of the people, yeah, exactly, got hoodwinked into, you know, it's like you said, John, and you're absolutely right when you're talking about, you know, I had a buddy, he said, you know, the the, the, the people who sing the loudest need the most saving. And they, they, huh. they come wrapped in old glory and that and that and the, and the Bible, you know. Testify, and it, you're it, right. It's just absolutely sickening, and it's, it, it, it's just, I'll tell you this, on this great day, when Katanji Jackson Brown gets elected to the Supreme Court, and I know how we can fix this, John, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, we have got to get the money out of politics. There's, yep. there's a video on YouTube with President Harry Truman in 1957, John, being interviewed by um, Good Night and Good Luck, uh, who's the uh, great journalist, uh, Edward R. Murrow, right. one of the last great journalists, you know, where Cronkite took his his teachings from and learned right. you know and he says to him in that video john he says to them he says are we at a are, what do we do about when when elections become uh privately financed or or one guy has more money than the other and truman says point blank and this is quote we're already there and this is in 1957 yeah. and what we need yeah. to do is when we get we get everything back if we if, if this is the last elections of our life you know it's over if we lose. We need to overturn Citizens United, and we need to make all federal elections publicly financed, John. No Koch brothers' money. Yeah, I agree. No Sinclair money. That's got to be the priority. And another thing is is working on a year from now is to get rid of voting rights, to take it away from the state. I know it. That's it, game I know it. If we don't don't balance the court— I love you, John. Game's not over. Game's not over. The struggle will always be going on. When we're old, we'll be in this struggle. We are here to carry the baton for a while and pass it on to the next ones. And I thank you for inspiring me, Rich. we got to take a quick break. We will be right back in a second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sheila in Texas, hello. Hey, John. Hi. Um, I wanted to say I missed Tuesday night when everybody was saying something nice about everybody else because <laughs> I was on goofers because broke my leg a little bit going to oh, pee no. in the middle of the night. I'm, so I'm good. I'm good. I'm just a doofus. Okay. That's all. How do you break your leg a little? Um, your leg a little. Oh, well, I cracked it. Oh, but God. It hurt like hell. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. Um, anyway, I was on, um, goofers and I really, you know, didn't want to be any goofer than I usually sound, but I wanted to call to say, I love the guys that call your show and I really appreciate their support for their sisters. And I want them to know if the tables were turned, I would go to battle for them too. I really would. I really, really appreciate I really appreciate the guys that we got some. That you know call. what? Every time I lose faith in in these fucking men, I I come here, I do the mm-hmm. show, and there's so many decent guys who call. I mean, they, I'm exactly. not going to say they redeem mm-hmm. the Y chromosome, but still, I'm I'm usually very impressed. It helps. It helps so much. It really does. You know. Yep. Um, but I also wanted to say uh, I've been thinking about these checkpoints that people are speculating about, and I want to tell you that during COVID lockdown. I live pretty close to the Louisiana line, state line, and I-20 runs um, through here. Okay. And during the lockdown and right, I guess, after the uh, vaccinations came out, there was a checkpoint not too far from my home. Okay. And they were stopping people you know, forcing them off the interstate and checking for vaccine cards. And the, the only people they turned away were black people and they turned them back to Louisiana and I was just stunned at the time. But now, you know, in my mind, I can think how this whole abortion thing going to another state, blah, 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 is going to work out and they will do it. Don't anybody think they won't do it. They will do it. They do everything on purpose. They're horrible people. They'll 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 do do it it. until they, they'll do it until they, until it's too much of a headache for them to do it. It's going to be a right. very interesting couple of years. And I want to tell you also, my my little sister works as a surgery nurse at a women's hospital. Right. And women every day, all day long, are still having ectopic pregnancies. That's and I right. think some of the stuff, some some of the laws that, I mean, that, that might put the brakes on some of the stuff are doctors. Because yeah. they're kind of stunned about what what can we do what can we not do what are you talking about you know what the fuck's going on that's right is is how they're they're thinking about it but it's gonna it happens 24 7 it's not gonna stop you know um yep so and by the way but this in this battle doctors are still gonna be on the front lines and they're still gonna be the heroes and there's gonna be a lot of doctors who go to jail because they care about women thank you so much your leg feels better have a great weekend 